0: A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. It's no secret Yeti has some of the best and most durable gear out there. But when it came to hydration, they previously didn't have a great backcountry solution. Well, that all changed with their new Yonder water bottle. My Yonder covered the backcountry all across the West last season while chasing mule deer, elk, caribou, and more. It's about 50% lighter than their insulated rambler, but still has that Yeti toughness. The best part is they've now got them in four different sizes so you can pack the bottle perfectly fit for your hunt. To top it off, there's also great options for customization. You can check them out now at yeti.com. Well, everybody, welcome back to Live Wild Podcast. You know, this week, I just have elk on my mind, and it's probably because today I released the video of my angry ape bull from last season over on my YouTube channel. If you get a chance to watch it, I really think you're going to enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed putting it together. You know, if you missed the story of that hunt, I had already told it this past September on podcast. I think it was episode 89 you can hear kind of the behind the scenes because it's a little hard to show everything in a film, but I really think that the video turned out great. It's actually one of my favorites on the channel. I, I think that, I don't know, there's just something about Chasing Elk that that I love, and there's a lot of cool encounters in there. And so if you do get the chance to watch it, feel free to drop a comment on the video or, or share it with friends because I, I think that um, you guys will enjoy it. But it got me thinking about one of my favorite elk calling and hunting tactics, you know, watching the video and as we edit it and put together, I'm watching it over and over and just kind of thinking, reliving that hunt in a way and thinking about a tactic that really over the years I've had a lot of success with. And it's one that nobody had talked about when I grew up elk hunting or talked about elk calling. It's kind of one that I found out on my own. And I would say it's my single most successful tactic when it comes to calling elk. Is a tactic I call dogging the bull. And this is one of those tactics that uses elk behavior. So imagine you bugle, elk rounds up his cows and moves off. You know, when I started elk hunting, I was told like they moved off, you spooked them, they don't like the call, they're call shy, the hunt's over. And what I found out is that's not actually it. There's an elk behavior that we can exploit here. They're doing what elk would normally do, whether I was here or not. And so by using this tactic, you get a calling advantage, and you can actually call in a herd bull. And it's a a good way to call in elk, but not just elk. It's a a way that I've been successful calling in the herd bull multiple times. So this week, we're going to revisit this tactic. I'm going to break down the tips to make it successful. But before we do that, I'm just going to share a few different stories of hunts where dogging the bull made the difference. On the bull, I like to call the angry eight my bull this year. You know, I think that the tactic, and I talked about this in the podcast when I explained the hunt, but dogging that elk made the difference. I heard bugles and then we moved in and then that bull moved off and the mountains just started to come alive. Bulls were screaming, but the bull we were after is bugle is very distinct. So I could track him out of the other bulls, continue to move. And, and as we lose that sound it was just like he went over the ridge and so kept firing up kept going kept going kept pushing that bull kept following and and getting in after that bull and because of that tactic and i actually ignored opportunities on other elk like there's so many other elk around i probably could have called in and killed any of the other elk but i was after this bull i hadn't seen him but i knew like based on his bugle it sounded like the most mature bull on the mountain that's like this one's definitely the one that's got the hot cows he's the one that all the other elk are vying for I'm going to do the same thing and and try to slip in and get an arrow in this bull and so by dogging that one bull I was able to get into position and get a shot on the herd bull in this area and you know when you talk about elk hunting calling tactics one of the things that comes up is it's very hard to call a bull away from his cows and there's a reason for that because he controls the herd and he's spending most of his time controlling that herd if he fought every elk that challenged him, he would lose those cows pretty quickly, he'd get pretty wore out. And he is going to fight a lot. Uh, And he will fight. But he will fight kind of on his terms and he'll do a few other things before he decides to fight that are just natural movements of elk behavior. Rounding up his cows, pushing them off. It's just a thing that elk do. It doesn't mean that he knows you're a hunter. It doesn't mean anything like that. Now, the tactic of following him and keeping after it. And you got to get pretty athletic. It's like half the time I was running, half the time I was hiking as fast as possible. Other times I was going super slow because I was getting into close proximity. But that dogging action of continuing after him, continuing after him, screaming, screaming, calling, calling, continuing, continuing is what eventually led me to put an arrow in that bull. And when I think back to like guiding and the times where I'm successful, if I've got a hunter that's in... If, I, if I'm guiding a hunter and I'm calling, it's my absolute favorite tactic because I know that I can take advantage of a very popular elk behavior to round up cows and use it to my advantage to kill a bull. So if I've got a hunter with me that's in decent shape and can do this tactic, it's my absolute go-to. One of the first times that I was successful with this tactic was with a buddy of mine that I was hunting with and it was his first elk hunt. And so I really wanted to get him a bull elk. And we'd just been like close, close, close. And then we got into a herd of elk. There was actually one really big bull in the herd, but we were not not being picky. That's the other thing about dogging the bull is sometimes you can get another bull to come in as well. But what ended up happening was there was a massive herd and the two groups kind of split off. Like one bull took cows one way, another took... So we actually saw the elk. And then one bull took the cows one way, one took the other, but we didn't know that. So we just continued to chase the bugle. We didn't know what bull, like, we just knew that we were chasing after a bull that was in charge of a herd, just dogging him, dogging him. And as soon as we got up to the top, I was like, all right, it's going to happen. This is, it just, for some reason, like, if you're close enough when that last cow goes over, I was like, we got to sprint to where that last cow went over. If we can get there fast enough, you know, it was in these little, conifers and some little trees we can get there fast enough i think we can pull that bull back over and i think we'd actually passed some of the cows so the entire herd wasn't over and that was probably what caused that bull to want to come back so we're coming up and i'm throwing cow calls cow calls i heard some cows calling and we hit pretty much that ridge and i ripped those bugles and sure enough six point bull whips around comes pops right over that ridge Uh, my buddy john's like 20 yards in front of me and I just hear the shot and hear the bowl run off. And we go, okay. <laughs> I think he he wasn't sure about his shot. It was one of those where you're like, man, I don't know. Let's give him a few minutes. We go to look for blood. And I think it lodged into the offside shoulder and then his front shoulder broke the arrow. So we just had like a piece of arrow with no blood on it. And he was getting pretty nervous. He's like, did I make a good shot? What happened? Like, doesn't look like I got good penetration. And my thought was I did not see the shot, but I heard it and it sounded like you killed that bull. There's just a sound in the boiler room, right? And when you've been around enough elk, you can tell the difference between one that's like gut shot or bone shot or one that like it, it hits something in the front part of the, the chest cavity. I was like, it sounded like a solid hit. I just, I've heard enough get hit that sounded like it was in the right spot. I'm just going off sound here, man. Sure enough, I mean, not even 20 yards away, you know, we just decided to peek over a little bit and there's the bull just laying there dead within sight. Um, it was his first elk and it was awesome. And I just, I think back to, I mean, probably I, I couldn't even add it up. You know, if I, I would have to really sit down and think about the bulls that I've killed using this tactic. But the bulls that I, I mean, I think of, I mean, I can think of one of the other ones that I think of off the top of my head is just, uh, well, there's one that I, I told a story before called Stubby McNubbins, just an old angry bull with a, a drop horn that just came stomping up the mountain. On that one, we dogged this bull and unfortunately didn't get him. My decoy fell over, which he didn't even care. And the hunter missed him, unfortunately, but it was a good hunt. I think of the the times that I've dogged bulls, and, and I'd say most of the time that when we've killed them, when I've been guiding, it's like, it's the herd bull that we end up killing, the big, the biggest bull in the group or the one that's like at least controlling the herd at that point. Hen is a really good tactic. I mean, I've killed a lot of elk because when I was growing up elk hunting, it seemed like people would just tell your articles, you'd read, is like, well, if the bull moves off, that's it. And then I started hunting and kind of getting after like, well, I'm just going to keep chasing this bull because I've got an elk here, it was here i mean i'm in good shape what's the worst that could happen right i just spook him further and then i realized he wasn't running away from me he was just rounding up his cows and moving off and this is a tactic that i discovered that worked really well and really well for killing elk that controlled the herd and so it became one of my favorite tactics i mean uh, there's a bull that i hunted a uh, kind of another first-time elk hunter this is. This is one of those where it's like the biggest elk of the season that we killed. And there was a guy, it was his first, I think his first hunt. It, yeah, that maybe, now he might've hunted like a white tailed but maybe been unsuccessful. Anyways, uh, he was pretty excited to go hunting and, and got him out. And it was like first hunt. And it was the last day of his hunt last evening. We had close calls and close opportunities. And I got this bull fired up, like literally parked to the truck, heard a bugle. And I was like, that's pretty close. We got to get after that. We don't have a lot of time late afternoon and got this bull fired up. And he, But he just started pushing his cows and like, all right, we're going to dog this thing. We got nothing else, no other options. And we actually did it the opposite way where normally I'm trailing them up and over. This one, I went around the mountain and then popped over and got him, hit that bugle above him. After dogging him for a while, because he started to, like, they'll go, and then they'll slow, and they'll go, and then they'll slow. And so once we got to that point where he slowed, it's was like, this is where we're going to take advantage of it. We're going to hustle. He looked at me like I was half crazy. Like, we've been, yeah, we've been getting after it. We're going to get after it. One last push around the backside of this Pop over. Bull comes in on a string, just pissed off as all as could be, and broadside shot, shoots the bull, and Forty yards later, we walk up on the best the best bull we killed all season, whether it was archery or rifle, and first time all kind of was pretty cool to see. So that was a lot of fun. I, I think he like knew at least he knew what he got in. I was like, you don't know how good you got it, man. Like this is a great freaking bull, and just so so many times where this tactic is it's pulled an elk out of a situation that maybe seemed like ah, it's not gonna work and end up killing a herd bull by using it. So let's dive into the recipe for dogging a bull and what that means. Now, the first thing we have to understand is why a bull might move off. Now, what elk behavior does during the rut there'll be a bull that controls the herd and and other elk that are vying for that herd. Now, when bulls are bugling, a lot of the time they're bugling to find cows or to entice cows to themselves or to directly challenge a bull that's got a herd. But either way, a bull's announcing his presence. Now there's a bull that might maybe say he's got a hot cow and this especially happens. So like the situation has to be right to dog a bull. What you need is you need elk that are fired up and probably that's going to happen when there's a hot cow around and a little bit of pandemonium starts, but you really need a bull that really wants to keep control of his herd, but he's also pushing and moving the elk off. So a natural reaction from elk, whether it's you calling or another elk calling, is a bull will call and maybe this bull will call back, but he's maybe even just talking to his cows right here. And this bull's kind of coming in. He's just going to push them away. You know, maybe because what you realize is especially in the mountains, I think it has a lot to do with sound, right? So the way sound travels, if a bull, he's not necessarily pushing him like, oh, this elk will never catch up to me. But what he's doing is he's like, if I push these cows over this ridge, they can't hear this bugle over here. I think that's a lot of it. And so what happens is he keeps pushing them over the next thing to kind of get a little bit of peace and quiet where he can do his thing with the cows without them knowing that there's another bull coming. Now, why he bugles back, I don't really know, but it happens a lot. So it, they'll just start to push their cows off. It's a natural thing that elk do. Whether I'm the one calling or another elk's calling, you'll notice that they start to move off and, and push away. It's not that they're being call shy, it's just that they're doing what elk like to do. Now, for the recipe for dog and bull, like I said, you need elk to be really fired up. And the reason for that is, it's hard to follow a herd of elk if they aren't making a lot of noise. So in order to fire them up, it needs to have the right kind of conditions. And so oftentimes it'll be one primary herd bull and then other satellite bulls kind of vying for it. You get kind of this frenzy going and you as the caller are building up like you're a big challenger and you're going to be a really big threat to the bull that has the herd. That scenario has to be established. So the way that I do that is very aggressive calling, very active calling. And I find the bull that is also aggressively and actively calling, even if he's moving away. So when I bugle, he bugles back, but he just seems further away. I continue to keep my distance as close as possible and keep that bull calling. Another thing that I'll also do is throw out cow sounds as I'm moving around for a couple of reasons. One, it makes it seem like the herd of cows is larger and maybe there's some stragglers and also makes it seem like maybe I've moved in and and taken some cows. But the other reason is in case I walk up on a cow or get too close to the herd and maybe a bull might see me or something like that, or a cow might see me, that cow sound almost distracts them and, and makes them think like, oh, it's just another elk. That stick breaking was just another elk. Oh, that noise back there is just another elk. So I'll Primarily be bugling and trying to fire up and piss off that bull. I'm using aggressive sounds. I'm matching his tone and I'm adding in a lot of energy and a lot of force with my calls. A very challenging call as I continue to get as close as possible by going as fast as possible for the most part. Now, as the elk slow down, I slow down. I kind of match my pace and tempo to not get busted, but also to be aggressive and get in tight. Another thing to think about in this recipe for dogging bulls, when they get quiet, if you've got a, an elk that's been responding and he's, he's fired up and then he goes quiet, he probably didn't shut up. He probably just is out of earshot. So it means that he went over that ridge. So that's a good way to decipher where did he go? Well, he was going uphill and now I don't hear him and I was bugling. Instead of staying back and trying to get him to call again, I often... Opt to rush in and try to get to the top as fast as possible so I can get another sound line on where the bull's at and continue to keep pushing him, pressing him, and bugling to him. This happened a lot on that angry eight hunt where it's like they're there, they shut up. Then we just pop over that next little draw and shoot. They weren't even 300 yards away. It's like you can be, sometimes you can hear a bugle from half a mile away, and other times you can hear them from a couple hundred yards. And that's it. And it just depends on the topography. If you are really interested in, I think if you hear this tactic, you've joined the podcast late, you haven't listened to all the podcasts. Go back to one of the earlier podcasts, maybe episode two or three, just actually really early, I talk about hearing elk and, and the way sound travels. It's a very important thing to know if you're gonna be hunting elk during the archery season, because I think it it's under-discussed and underutilized how that sound travels. And when you're dogging a bull, they're going to go quiet and nine times out of 10, they are not quiet. They're just out of earshot and they aren't hearing and responding to your bugle. So that's where you have to kind of use speed and pace to catch up and really push up over those next ridges to get back into that earshot. As you start to approach and crest that hill though, you want to be calling just below the top. And then as you pop over, you want to be looking and calling as well because you don't want to blow out an elk that might have stalled on the top of the ridge. Oftentimes they stall just at the top of the ridge or just beyond the lip. As they start to spread out again, they kind of like go over, they get out of earshot, and then they simmer down. And this is actually where we will end up nine times out of 10 for me personally, calling that bull in is when we pop over or crest that ridge when we got close enough to catch up when they're just over the top. One of the things with this tactic is you got to keep bugling. I think there's a lot of people go like, you bugle too much. And when I'm dogging a bull, there's no such thing as bugling too much. If the elk are responding, I'm calling. And if I'm calling, they're responding. This is the elk that I'm going after. These are the ones that I've worked up into a frenzy. They're in this position where they're bugling, other elk are bugling, and they're calling back and forth. And you have to keep that bull fired and bugling because the only way you're going to know where he is is if he's bugling most of the time. I will say that this tactic works better in certain places. It works best in cover. If you're in really open country, dogging a bull doesn't work that well. It's more just like chasing a bull and him getting spooked all the time. So there are a few factors that you need to think about or consider when you're planning, if you're like, I'm going to use this tactic. It really works well in thicker cover. There's a couple of reasons. The elk are more prone to call then because they can't see each other and they won't see you as much. So you can move in. You're probably going to have to move past some cows when you're dogging elk. In a large herd, there's going to be cows that are there, and that are on the mountain, that stay back, that are whatever, not exactly in the position where you need to be to call. And you're going to have to move past them. I don't know how many elk hunts I've been on where just kind of trying to slip past the cows is, makes the difference. Sometimes people get too timid when there's like, oh, there's an elk there. When I killed the bull this season, you'll see in the videos like I I get in. There's some cows right there, and I end up just bugling, calling, bugling, calling, mewing, mewing, backing out, circling around, running past them, essentially getting in on the bull again. Not blowing the herd out, but being fairly aggressive to get past the elk when I know where the bull is and, and where I need to get to. And then I think when I actually call the bull in that I've been dogging, it seems to be when I've caught up and get above them in a way where they've crested over the ridge and I get up on the ridge and then call. You would think that it would be the opposite where you'd be just below them and they'd have that advantage of height And if they're coming down on you to fight. They actually have a tactical advantage being above. They don't like when that other bull gets above them for some reason. I think that for a herd bullet, that kind of is the turning point where he goes, Yeah, I just don't like it. Like he's he's leading, he's pushing the cows up and maybe it's, I'll, I'll throw some cow sounds back behind. So he doesn't really know. There's a, there's a couple of theories here in my mind, right? I can just like script out what I think elk are thinking. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. It's just anecdotal, but I, I kind of feel like as I'm going, I'm calling and, and I can throw some cow sounds out behind me when there's a ridge involved and another bull gets on top of him, he doesn't know what's on the other side necessarily. And he also doesn't want the thing to continue. It's like he kind of has to come up to the ridge to see and hear what's going on. And also that sound travels really good from the top of the ridge. I think he feels semi-disadvantaged or maybe like the bull that's on the ridge announcing to the cows maybe sounds more enticing. Maybe that's just a thing that in the elk world, like... I'm a big bad bull and I'm on the top of the mountain and now I'm going to take your ladies and they just don't like it. So when I, particularly for the more mature herd bulls, when I crest over that top ridge, when I've caught up, that's the time when I can generally call them in. And what happens is when they, when they hit these ridges, oftentimes those cows will start to spread out and they'll they'll calm down and they might stay up there for a little bit. They might hold up. They aren't constantly running. Like they'll go over a ridge that they'll They'll maybe fan out, they'll stop. He's rounding up a cow. Maybe he's taking time to, to get after a, a hot cow or one that he thinks might go into estrus or maybe breed. And so he's constantly moving, pushing, moving, pushing, running around. He's busy. Like if you take a straight line to where that elk is from the direction that he went, he probably ran twice as far going back and forth, checking cows, pushing things around, circling around, pushing them back, keeping other bulls away. He's got a lot going on, especially if there's other bulls trying to get in on the action as well. And so I find that like the time when I see I'm getting close and I know that they're up on the top of a knob and they've just crested over, that's when I really try to make haste, pick up the the speed and get there as fast as possible. Because I know if I can be within a a certain proximity and release that big, mean bugle, that challenge is going to get that bull to spin around and bring him into me. Now, Another consideration when you're dogging bulls is not just the main bull that you're after. What happens oftentimes is when you're dogging a bull, you're moving through a lot of country and you're announcing to the world that's like, to the world of other elk, there's a hot cow here and this is where the action is. Because if I was just sitting back and this kind of thing was going on with two elk in the wild, it creates like an elk magnet, the sound of it. Other elk, no. So other bulls start bugling and then they want in on the action, the other satellite bulls. Maybe these satellite bulls, a satellite bull by definition is just a bull on the fringe of the main herd. Sometimes a satellite bull could be the biggest bull in the group. It's just not in control of the herd at this point. Or it could just be sometimes they're younger bulls. Sometimes they're just a new bull that goes, ooh, haven't seen this group yet. I'm coming out of the woodworks. Depends on the time of rut. But one of the things when you're dogging a bull is you might fire up other elk and what you can do now is you can you can not just dog the bull, but you go, okay, I don't really need to go after this particular herd bull. I've got two other bulls here that are coming my way. Now I just try to make those bulls think that I am the herd. So I'll stop. I've done this a lot as well, where I'm dogging a bull, dogging a bull. And then I stop and, and continue to throw out a calling sequence I call a cow party, which is like, meow, 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 just cows freaking out and ripping bugle in one direction, ripping bugle in another direction. And the other single bulls that are now satellite bulls going, ooh, I got to get in on this herd action, come to me instead of that other one that's now out at earshot. And that's a really good way to draw bulls in and call bulls in as well. When you fired up the entire mountainside as you're running through the country and now your other bulls are starting to pop off and want to join in, if you notice that there's ones trailing or following, it's damn near a sure thing if the wind's right that you can call those bulls in. And I have many times... Sent arrows into elk that way as well. There was one in Montana that I probably should have just kept chasing the herd bull, right? I Like, it was would have been my best bull to that date. But uh, just chasing him, dogging him, almost got him in, almost got him in, almost got him in. And he's like, here's a satellite bull that really won't leave me alone. I'm going to shoot him. Like, it's just hard for me to pass up an elk on a general tag sometimes, even when I'm chasing a big dog. I'm like, all right, this is a nice five point and he won't go away. I'm going to shoot him (laughs) like, and I was super stoked on it. There's just, sometimes you're in those situations where, hey, this tactic led me to success with another bull. He thought that I was the herd now and he was coming in to to check it out and didn't really believe that there wasn't a hundred elk there. And then that's a really good way to find success as well. So I think this tactic of dogging an elk can be very successful, can also be a lot of fun. You need a few things. You need a pretty good set of lungs to try to keep up. But I think other thing too is like the tempo changes all the time. Sometimes they're going fast, and then other times they get distracted and slow down. So you keep up with the tempo, the elk continually trying to close in, close in, close in, and piss that bull off enough to commit to your setup where you can get a shot. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I just really love talking about elk hunting is just so fun bugling calling chasing bulls i like to do an elk month with the podcast kind of get everybody pumped up right before archery elk season i'll continue to do that but i also have to sprinkle in some of the elk calling tactics throughout the year because it's probably one of my favorite things to talk about it's one of my favorite things to do in hunting i love calling elk whether it's for myself or for other people I just love calling an elk. It's just such a fun game to play. And when you get one to commit, it's like there's no greater reward in hunting than tricking a bull elk during the rut. Like I just, I absolutely love it. There's a lot of passion in it for me talking about these kind of tactics, especially because there are a lot of tactics that I kind of maybe wish that somebody would have told me the real way to call in an elk. Like I just felt like when I was growing up, It was like, here's an elk calling article and it was relating it to turkey hunting and it had absolutely nothing to do with calling an elk and never worked. I was like, okay, well, this doesn't work. I, I wish that somebody would have told me that like, yeah, an elk bugles and they move off and you still can kill that bull. And that's actually a good tactic because I found a lot of success that way or other calling tactics like when to use what calls and I don't know. I just, I wish that there was a lot more information when I was growing up. Now, I can provide that information. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, One thing today, oh, it's knife drop day. Montana Knife's got a knife drop. I do like to mention when they've got knife drops because it keeps the guys that listen to the podcast a little bit ahead of the curve in case you didn't know. You know, Montana Knife, their knives are very popular and they're hard to get because they pretty much sell out right away. So if you miss a drop, you kind of miss the opportunity to purchase that knife. The knives that I use the most are probably not the ones that you think because I use their hunting knives a lot when I'm hunting, but I would say the rest of the year I'm using their culinary knives nearly every day, multiple times a day. I've got their culinary set and then they've got... So they've got their culinary set and the flathead filet drop going on today. That's their three chef knife set. Uh, They've got one. I don't know if they'll have it on this, but they've got one with like a bison Knife roll. It's pretty awesome. I use that thing. Like I take it on every hunt. I just throw it in my truck. I keep it in the kitchen. I show up to someone's house with it. I actually just travel with my knives all the time because one pet peeve of mine is going somewhere with unsharp kitchen knives. It's just like if I'm going to someone's house, no offense, like any kind of in law's house or whatever, maybe I'm staying somewhere. It's like an Airbnb or what have you. I need a good set of knives. So I always bring mine with me. But it's nice to have a really good set of knives for cooking, processing, the whole the whole deal. They call it, they like say first blood to last bite, and I agree with that. Like I probably spend more time with a knife in the kitchen than I do on the in the field because you know the rest of the year I'm cooking and preparing wild game. Another one that they've got their flathead fillet knife. That's a really great knife for butchering as well. I love using fillet knives for butchering. I like. That flexible blade, so I can kind of get under that silver skin and just rip through a lot of that processing. So I actually use a flay knife for majority of my butchering, and then I kind of use a combination of the chef knives and the flay knives for butchering most of my wild game. So those are going to drop; they're probably going to sell out really fast. If you hear this podcast a little late and you're like, "Dang it! I wish I would have known sooner," you can always get on their email list, and that'll give you a little bit of a heads up of what's coming out, what's coming next. So Those are awesome if you guys are interested. Another note before we get off the podcast is if you guys are interested in any Live Wild merchandise, we have dropping today a ton of great new stuff, especially around the Angry Eight. So we're calling it like the Angry Eight bottle. It's a cool, we've got a Yeti Yonder with this awesome skull design. A couple t-shirts with the same skull design and then a hat as well. So we've got some awesome merchandise that's brand new, just released. And then we're going to be taking everything plus a lot of new stuff to the Western Hunt Expo next week. Make sure you check it out. If you guys are going to the Western Hunt Expo, I've got a Live Wild booth there. I'll be there for, I mean, I'll be doing some seminars and other things. We've got, let's see, our schedule. I've got a couple of seminars. I got a seminar on Thursday night seminar on saturday night friday night in my booth got a little bit of a beer event got some yeti cups to give out and some beer we're going to do that as a donation for the mule deer foundation so it's going to be a a beer event raising money for the mule deer foundation in my booth at western hunt expo i'll be there thursday friday saturday and sunday probably if you want to say what's up say hey swing by. I'll definitely be there in the afternoons because I don't have anything scheduled in that afternoon time period each day. So I will be there. It'd be awesome to meet you guys. Also, we're going to have a lot of new shirt designs, hat designs. And if you guys are interested, there's going to be a lot of new stuff up on the website today until Western Hunt Expo. So if you want it, grab it now before it's gone. Thank you guys so much for the support. Everybody that buys some of the Live Wild gear, guys that just drop a comment or a rating on the wherever they listen to the podcast or subscribing to the YouTube channel. I really appreciate it. It it helps us out. And I just thank you guys so much for the support. It helps me, you know, when I sit down to record these podcasts, be like, all right, people really enjoy these tips and tactics there when you guys share your success stories. And I'm sure I'll get to hear a bunch of them at Western Hunt Expo. So looking forward to meeting everyone if you guys are there. And until next week, I'm just gonna say, dog that bull. That's a good, I should, that should just be the close for every podcast. Just dog that bull. That's like, should be a motto for life, man. Catch you guys later.